Tonight, we press play on the last seven days and unpack the week from the cheap seats with your hosts, Melody Bracewell and Tim McDonald. Good evening. Thank you for joining us in the cheap seats. With special guest Mel Casina, Titus O'Reilly. And in the week that saw the premiere of James Bond, No Time to Die, when you think action, adrenaline, full-blooded aggression, you think of one man. Tony Martin. Tony Martin. <laughs> joining us a little later on in the show. Exactly. Exactly. And we begin with breaking news. As I think you might know, I own a farm. Yep. <laughs> we will follow that story throughout the show. Rolling but, updates. So let's start with the dramatic state leadership shake-up. Adelaide, this is your king, Mr Fruitshot. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually Taylor Swift. Is so. that Taylor Swift? Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, we're talking about the resignation that rocked New South Wales. The New South Wales Premier has resigned. Gladys Berejiklian has resigned. Breaking news, bombshell. Well, this was a bombshell that dropped about 90 minutes ago. ABC Radio in Sydney are saying goodbye to Wendy Harmer and Robbie Buck. Wow. <laughs> Huge. So it's so it's Gladys and Daryl for breakfast? Is that how it's <laughs> you, have to, you, you have to guess the secret shredding? That's a very tough it's a very tough comp. I was watching a current affair and it's hard to tell if Gladys resigned or died. Goodbye, Gladys. The New South Wales Premier has gone. <laughs> she had to leave the barn. <laughs> Brad Hazard is including her in tomorrow's numbers. So, <laughs> Look, everyone was watching Gladys Berejiklian, except Michael Usher, who was watching her driveway. We're looking at a, a live shot of what we understand. This was the, the protection vehicle that the Premier uses in New South Wales. We're not entirely sure that she was in that, but certainly someone will get home. Um, that's just mm. by the by at the moment. It's part of our rolling coverage. But it's an interesting point. A very interesting <laughs> point. Great point. Literally rolling coverage. <laughs> Well, Sky News covered the huge outpouring of gifts for Gladys. These are live pictures at the home of Gladys Berejiklian. Flowers and, as Tom Connell said rightly, bouquets being extended to her both metaphorically and physically. So those were from Darren Maguire with a lovely note. Uh, IOU, which was a lovely, <laughs> a lovely note. Look, Gladys's resignation centres on her ex-relationship with disgraced Wagga Wagga MP Darren Maguire, who is also the centre of a corruption probe. And how do Wagga Wagga locals feel about him? In Wagga Wagga, hometown of Daryl Maguire, mixed feelings. I just think it's the best thing Daryl's done to put Wagga on the map. <laughs> the best thing Daryl's done. Any publicity is good publicity for Wagga Wagga. I love Daryl's plan that he thought no one would notice an extra $30 million for the Wagga Recital Centre. <laughs> the Wagga Recital Centre is just some guy playing the spoons out front of a pub. <laughs> of course they were going to notice that. Sorry, I just went a bit Sky News there. Well, look, out in the regions, reaction was swift and masks meant it was hard to tell how the locals were feeling. I'm very sad for her. It's a bit of a sad story, isn't it? I think she should resign. I think it's the best thing that's ever happened, actually. Still, I think this card summed it up best. And this one, in a world of grey sludge, you are a diamond. We love you. Very much summing up the mood. Beautiful words. That classic saying. <laughs> well, this week also saw the resignation of New South Wales Deputy Leader... John Barillaro. John Barillaro. John Barillaro. Uh, uh, Ballararo. Ballararo. Oh, <laughs> Barillaro. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. John Barillaro was asked if the Nationals would ever promote a woman to the top job. We've proven as a party, not only do we have great women in the party, but we have great men. And that's where we fail our viewers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Got it right. 
Yeah. Well, with Gladys gone, thoughts quickly turn to the top job. Who will replace Gladys Berejiklian? Up to five candidates are this morning deciding whether to run. Well, it won't be those two. Why do they both have a limb? Is Tonya Harding going for the job? <laughs> there were several names in the mix to replace Gladys. Planning Minister Rob Stokes. Environment Minister Matt Keane. Stuart Ayres. Andrew Constance. Mark Speakman. Tom the Fruiterer. OK. <laughs> We've got their finger on the pulse. Well, he, he's doing the numbers. He's got ruler, tooler, sooler and vula. So more to come on that. But look, Treasurer Dominic Perrottet was voted in as Premier today, getting the tick of approval from everyone except John Howard's dog. I think overall Dominic Perrottet would be the right person. We need somebody... Well, John Howard's saying a Liberal Treasurer should get the job. He's changed his tune, hasn't he? So, and that's where we leave our viewers. I totally understand the reference. <laughs> ABC had live coverage of the moment Dominic Pirate left his family home. We'll be the treasurer. However, um, we might just have to step aside here. We just believe that Mr Pirate is leaving his home. If you're just tuning in, uh, this is a live shot from Sydney where the uh, the man who is expected to uh, take Gladys Berejiklian's position as Premier sorry, might be... i it was a false alarm, <laughs> false alarm. Alarm. <laughs> See, look, it's one thing to report with a car leaving. It's another thing to report with a car reverse parking. Now, another person who's thrown their hat in the ring is Rob Stokes. He's the planning minister and has announced that he will be contesting the leadership. So Other names that have been thrown around include the planning minister, Stuart Ayres, so it will be closely watched to see if we have any closer indication of who the next leader will be there. So with Gladys gone from office and the daily press conferences, you get the sense Chief Health Officer Kerry Chant doesn't know where to stand. Morning all. Um, well, three weeks ago we had... Uh... Yep. <laughs> I really felt for Dr Jeremy McAnulty. In the absence of a Premier, the COVID show had to go on. Morning, my name's Dr Jeremy McAnulty from New South Wales Health. Although judging from the 1500 comments on the Facebook live feed, there was only one person they wanted to hear from... This stinks. Bring back Gladys Berejiklian. She's our person. I'm starting to think Jeremy was the one who shut down Facebook this morning. <laughs> but look, Mel, the list of exposure sites is growing and I think they need to add ABC Studios. New South Wales COVID outbreak over the last couple of months. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and if you want to keep watching that interview, you can switch over to ABC Tier 2. Um, they will be covering us. I've got it. Come forward for the vaccine. This one kid thinking a little too far ahead. Go back to sport, normalised, um, full capacity at like weddings. Wow. <laughs> His best man next to him as well. <laughs> the conversation has been about the roadmap, and Channel 7 covered the most important places opening up. 7 News understands the reopening of amusement parks, nightclubs, and intimate services. That, that kid's just plenty as bucks, not? <laughs> journalist was trying to get away with googling showgirls at work. Is that not allowed, is it? <laughs> Move that. Still, Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk has come under fire this week from a familiar face. The Premier will steal Christmas from Queenslanders. To abolish Christmas is very un-Australian. Mm. <laughs> 
But when it comes to vaccines, South Australia's Chief Health Officer Nicola Spurrier tried to clear things up. It takes two weeks after your second dose to be fully immune. Pretty straightforward, probably doesn't need a long convoluted metaphor. And I was trying to think of what it was a bit like and I was thinking if you were um, told that there was a tsunami coming and you were standing on a beach and you were thinking there's going to be a tsunami coming, um, you wouldn't stand there, you'd be rushing up to the hills, you'd be protecting yourself, um, you wouldn't be standing there going, oh well I'll be okay, I can swim. So think about that when you're wondering whether you should have the vaccine. It's a, a different kind of third wave. Uh, Sorry, I was Googling showgirls. Yeah. I was miles off. That, anecdote, that metaphor was so long that we had the time to bring the iPad <laughs> back to the desk. We need a tsunami metaphor early warning system because that was crazy. <laughs> uh, to weather news now, and a tornado wreaked havoc in New South Wales and an interesting choice of words for a 5pm bulletin. A New South Wales farmer has described hanging on for dear life as a tornado began sucking him out of his house. <laughs> he loved it. <laughs> Is that what they're talking about with intimate services? Um... No, but that's what we were Googling during the break. <laughs> it was hard to miss for those right in the thick of it. That's a tornado! That's a big tornado! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next to the guy getting sucked off. Oh. <laughs> thing victims of the tornado needed was to be fat shamed. At 115 kilos, he isn't a small bloke, but no match for this tornado. I don't need to say that. Why did they introduce it like it was a boxing match between <laughs> that guy and a tornado? But look, there was one victim everyone was worried about. The freak weather event sent furniture, a truck and even pets flying. The family dog was lifted up and picked about 300 metres. A small dog called Pom Pom, who was picked up by the tornado and thrown about 300 metres from the house to over beyond the pine trees. Scott's pet Pomeranian was pummeled by Mother Nature, picked up and hurled 300 metres along with livestock. You see the cows spinning around now, about 80 feet in the air. Really? I didn't expect that guy to have a Pomeranian named Pomeranian. Do you want to be telling that guy? He's 115 kilos. Apparently that dog ended up right next to John Howard. That is how powerful that wind was. Still, though, Mel, the damage was hard to describe. It's been badly hit, as I said. This shed behind me was uh, full of quad bikes and machinery um, and kayaks even, which have actually ended up in the dam down the road. Kayaks in the water. Oh, Crazy. God. <laughs> I think they were homing kayaks. So much damage, the Wagga Recital Centre needs an extra $30 million. So, <laughs> so much damage. Uh, and it resulted in things you'd never see in the countryside. Uh, it's just really quite hard to describe the damage that is here. There are trees everywhere. Trees oh. everywhere. <laughs> Points of creativity. She ended up reporting on things that didn't happen. A horse that was in this paddock wasn't impaled by some of this flying debris. Wasn't impaled. <laughs> no. Actually, where was all that damage? As I think you might know I own a farm. There okay, it was. We're going to take a break. Back with more on the Chimps. <laughs> And tonight's theme, celibacy, living without sex and enjoying life. 
brave of you to share your story, Tim. <laughs> We're going to need a double episode. Um... <laughs> Enjoying life, a little bit of an overstep. Uh, can I start with a shocking true crime story, Tim? A man whose car was stolen after he let a stranger take it for a test drive. Her husband greeted the man two Sundays ago and let him take it for a test drive alone because he seemed genuine. He just said, oh, is there much petrol in the car? And I, I should have triggered me then that... <laughs> Well, you ask me if you're going to go for a small drive. It's like, can I have both sets of keys? <laughs> it's actually Gladys Berejiklian. Um, we found her car. I mean, last week, Mel, we've had earthquakes. This week, a tornado. But on Tuesday, we were hit by... An Instagram outage. We will rebuild. And... We will rebuild. Sunrise turned a global crisis into a promo. Or browsing Facebook again. Okay. I'd recommend people just go outside and get some fresh air. Yeah, or sit and watch TV, maybe, Jeff. <laughs> plenty, plenty happening on Sunrise. Absolutely. Thank you for explaining it. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, Sunday was the NRL Grand Final, Mel, and Penrith Panthers fans are out celebrating their win. Channel 9's Mike Dalton, though, crossed that fine line between reporter and coup leader. We'll watch the match as a club and then we'll party hard and we will not go to sleep that night. Does that sound like a plan? (laughs) (laughs) Is Is he reporting or storming a capital? What is going on there? Huge week of footy finals with the NRL Grand Final Sunday. The lead-up is always exciting with a variety of experts weighing in. And if you need some help choosing who to bet on for the NRL Grand Final, here it is, an octopus on the Sunshine Coast called Siren. Of course. And... Sadly, it's now the Cash Calamari, so... <laughs> that is sad. But look, Siren's keepers know what they're talking about. So today we are here trying to predict who is going to win the Grand Final. As you know, octopus are super smart at knowing things. Well, if you, if you compare them with NRL players, I guess. <laughs> it, it, did, it, it did win an eight-leg multi, so well done. Well done to Siren. And now just look, a quick reminder to this high school teacher from the week that a TV interview is not the time for Tinder. They've been very kind and compassionate, as they always are. And, um... Sorry. Oh, swipe right, swipe, swipe right. right. Sorry. Um, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That was a super like as well. I noticed you doing that during the break. (laughs) Things not good at home? Still, though, when it comes to conversation, you really have to listen to your guests, like Alan Jones. These people don't seem to be prepared to listen to people like us. I mean, you've got to get out there and change. Right now, for example, we haven't got time to talk about it, but the PM said vaccination won't be compulsory, but now workers are being locked out because they aren't being vaccinated. I mean, oh... Peter, great to talk to you. I mean, it is kind of... I don't know whether they're really worried. I don't know whether they're really worried about all of this. I think they just think, oh, miracles happen and we'll be okay. (laughs) Honestly, you throw in Christmas, not long until the next election, Peter. Anyway, lovely to talk to you. talk at you. Who ask a question? Uh, to Darwin, where this week the airport workers were put to the test in a mock disaster situation. My role was to be an unresponsive uh, male of my age. Uh, basically just to lie there. Sounds like my ex-boyfriends. Um... <laughs> Sounds like me on this show. Um... <laughs> uh, um, I was amazed by this woman's commitment. Some taking their acting debut more seriously than others. Big laceration in my right thigh. Can we ask you a quick question? (laughs) (laughs) She she is Alan Jones' dream guest. (laughs) And that cheesy moment, wait for this, comes to us from our good friends at Domino's. That's right, tonight we're brought to you by Domino's, delivering you the cheesy moments.
Couldn't deliver us a pizza? Uh, that's great to have Domino's on board. Obviously a long-term commitment. Oh, it's just this week. Um, much like actual Domino's, just a small nudge from toppling over, so please don't, stuff please don't stuff this up for us. Well, speaking uh, of delivery, someone who always delivers is Channel 9's... What a segue. I mean, they've just... They've just... They've, just, uh, they've left. Stay with us, Domino's. Stay with us, Domino's. Someone who always delivers is Channel 9's Lana Murphy. Last week we brought you this. She was out covering the protests... If you missed it, here's a refresh. We are following reporter Lana Murphy. Lana has been tracking these protesters for the last couple of hours. Lana Murphy has been among the action covering this story. We have got Lana Murphy who is on the ground for us. What has happened since we last spoke to you? Where are the protesters? Where are the police? Hey, Lizzie, m not much has changed. None of us can find this group of protesters. <laughs> we keep finding the group, keep losing the group. It's still a matter of us trying to catch up to them. We can hear them, but we can't see them. We know that there were hundreds of cars gathered at the corner of Elizabeth and Victoria. Victoria, but that's not where I am right now. <laughs> well, let's find out where she is right now. Would you please welcome Lana Murphy? Lana, Lana, thanks for sitting down for five seconds. Uh, what was going on last week? What were you doing? I wish I knew, Jim. That would have been the golden uh, question. Uh, we were obviously trying to find those protesters who failed to meet where they said they were going to meet, so instead decided to walk aimlessly through the city. Believe it or not, I know it is hard to believe watching that clip, but I did have them in my grasp at one moment. It was at the very beginning. <laughs> they, were, they were just too fast. We couldn't keep up. And at one stage, you can actually hear my crew and I hyperventilating, and I actually said on national television to the host, Lizzie, I'm sorry, I think I need to go to the gym. So I just couldn't catch them. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's a little insulting when even um, anti-vax protesters want to social distance from you. <laughs> Lana, did you think about starting your own protest in the hope that that would just draw crowds towards you? <laughs> that would have been smart. You should, you should try it next time, Kim. Um, and I, I was very curious. We had a bit on this. Um, what did your Fitbit get up to? Well, I'm not sponsored, so if Fitbit want to come on board, I actually just rely on my iPhone. Um, but the iPhone said 16,000 steps, which I know for a lot of gym junkies isn't going to be a lot. That's probably more than they do before breakfast. But for me, it is more than I have done all year. So you're welcome. And, and for breakfast, we recommend Domino's. Yeah. The cheesy Lana, don't come on our show trying to get a sponsorship deal. We can barely hold on to the ones we've got. Sorry. Lana, um, where are you next going out on, out on one of your walks? Whenever someone decides to uh, commit a crime, I'll be there. So. <laughs> Incredible. Well, we'll let you get back to work. Thanks so much for joining us. Would you please thank Lana thank Murphy? You. Thank you. Right after work. The Queens are back. They've announced the lineup for the Super Bowl. And the judge ruled for Team Brittany. Everyone's talking about Guns and Roses. Tony Soprano. Lil Nas X. Squid Game. Squid Game. Squid Game. It's a donkey interfering with a goose. Find out what really happened. Time now to talk all things arts and entertainment with our cultural correspondent from Nova FM. It's Mel Tresina. Keep seats first. We're starting with a musical. Yes, we are. It's called <laughs> Diana the Musical. Oh. Are we trying to lose viewers? What are we doing? <laughs> I just thought her story needed a bit more jazz hands. <laughs> uh, Diana the Musical is on Netflix and it tells the story of Princess Diana. Some critics are calling it the worst musical experience since Cats was turned into a movie. Well, uh, the Queen is calling it the feel-good musical of the year, so... <laughs> 
mixed reactions. I am curiously hooked, and why wouldn't you be with lyrics like this? Darling, I'm holding our son. So let me say, jolly well done. <laughs> that was, of course, Charles and Diana holding baby William, fake baby William. Well, it wasn't Harry because he said our son. So <laughs> it had to be William. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dominoes. <laughs> still with us. Uh, but of course, Harry arrives next. Harry, my gingerhead son. <laughs> You'll always be second to none. Second to one now. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, my gingerhead son. He was actually played by Ed Sheeran. Great performance. <laughs> Naturally, we met the Queen. This is an early scene in which Liz urges her son Charles to find a suitable bride. You're the heir to the British crown. You were bred to settle down. A future queen should have no past. Find a Charles and find a fast. <laughs> Let me tell you, nothing happens fast in this show. Well, surely the ending. Um, <laughs> that song. <laughs> there are so many characters to introduce. We have Camilla. Here we go, a chance to chat. You and me, how about that? Tell me then, will this take long? I'll be brief, I want you gone. Again, nothing brief about this show. <laughs> Best entrance of the night would have to be Diana's lover, James Hewitt. Enjoy. That's so Hewitt. <laughs> it's James Hewitt or Prince Andrew. It's kind of a... a mechanical ball. <laughs> Uh, just one more highlight from so many. A scene where the Queen laments her son agreeing to give a TV interview. My son is on the telly, pouring out his heart. While his wife is on the town, dressed up like a tart. <laughs> I like she was on the mass Singer. <laughs> the Tart would be a great mass Singer character. <laughs> The Rhyming Dictionary definitely got a workout on this production. <laughs> Diana the Musical, you won't regret it. <laughs> Heading to Free to Air, uh, Letters and Numbers returned on the weekend. If you don't remember, this was a game show that used to be on SBS. The last episode went to air in 2012 when they announced it would be rested. Nine years. That's not a rest, that's an induced coma. That's funny, we got a similar email from 10, so let's look at that later. You're resting the cheap seats. <laughs> anyway, it's back as Celebrity Letters and Numbers. Take a look. It's a gorgeous work. Yeah, it's actually thick, uh, layered and worked material. So it's uh, where a pattern has been raised on silk, for example, is brocade. Well played. Wonderful. Can I just point out the size of that table? Yeah. Like, how SBS can afford a set like that and the three of us are on a card table? Yeah, they got <laughs> Well, this was built by the cast of Making It and <laughs> they, just, they, just, they just ran out of time slots. Time. They ran out of time. They ran out of time. Sorry. Sorry. Gogglebox continues here on 10 and I could honestly watch this show every week just for Faye and Anastasia. I really don't give a rat's dick. Rat's ass. I prefer rat's dick. There's no rat dick. Yeah, there is. They've got a dick. Um. 
The goggle boxes we're watching the block this week. Great family viewing. Go f yourselves. Oh. Did you hear what they said? Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> of course, the Masked Singer just wound up and in case you missed the grand final, there were three incredible reveals. We learnt that John Travolta, Janet Jackson and Cheryl Crow clearly all said no to the series. Oh, right. <laughs> incredible. Wow. Yeah. They will be on celeb letters and numbers, though, so I look forward to that. Actually, Mel, I've been loving SAS Australia. It's a real test of quick thinking and Sam Burgess is nailing it. Get your scissors out. I'm going to tie this out. Are you a quick thinker? Um. <laughs> Obviously not. Obviously <laughs> not. Still, though, one of my favourites is Home and Away actor Dan Ewing and his bizarre interrogations. Number nine. What's the name of your spaceship? I don't have a spaceship star. <laughs> You don't have a spaceship. No stuff. It, it was <laughs> stolen by a test driver. So, couple of things to finish up on. Love Island Australia returns next week. A few of the contestants are posting on Instagram. Why don't we meet Rachel? That's that's just me. That's not fair. <laughs> uh, then there's Chris. Everyone's looking at me. It's just like, okay, cool, like. Being good-looking is a curse. <laughs> that's, that's just me. That's not <laughs> fair. <laughs> uh, my favourite would have to be Jess. I feel like when I walk into a room, I am the brightest light in the room and I don't even try to. A lot of people don't like that. I can't dim my light and I feel like in the past I've had to dim my light. <laughs> There's usually just like a flick switch right next to the yeah. dimmer, so I don't know, just a I suggestion. Feel, I feel like she was probably cast because she was dim. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, are you guys familiar with Couch Guy on TikTok? Yes, I am. Yeah. The filthy slime ball. <laughs> well, it's, it's a viral video. It's a girl surprising her college boyfriend. So here's the original video. So So what has happened here is that she's surprising him and what people do is they film these things and the boyfriend's like, yeah! And then she came and surprised him and he was kind of like, oh! And he, like, scuttled away from another girl. It's... This is, he's a little mm. cheating little scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is Mel's segment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have your fun. I'm sorry. It's only because I saw him on Tinder earlier that I... <laughs> <laughs> And you swiped for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, as Mal said, he's a bit of a scumbag. Let's have a look at the TikTok detective community. They've gone into overdrive to prove that boy was cheating on his girlfriend with evidence like this. Okay, so right at the pause, you can see a thumb on his back. She comes in. Girl scoots. Then she scoots again to get further away and her hand comes up. Her hand was on his back. Is that, is that TikTok or ICAC? What is going on there? Well, some of the analysis gets really forensic. Watch. All right, there his arm goes to the side of his pants, grabs his phone from old girl, acts like he's laughing to pull it up through the middle, and then boop, 
there went her hand. Dramatic. <laughs> uh, now, just finally, this week I was planning to catch up on all the Britney Spears documentaries. There's one on. There was one on last night on Channel Nine. There's the Netflix one. Anyway, I ran out of time because I was watching TikTok. Uh, <laughs> but to make it up, I would like to offer you this TikTok of a gym instructor finding out the news that Britney's father, Jamie, had been removed as conservator. Is there a quick update, or am I mad? Jamie's gone. Sorry. Jamie's gone? Kayla. They pulled out how? Out of the conservatorship? Oh! oh, this is a good day. And it's a good night for me. So Thank on, you. On that note, it's time to dim your light, Mel. Would you please thank Mel Tracina? Sport here to give full credit to the boys. Would you please welcome Tyson? Oh, thank you very much. Oh, well, it's been a busy week in the NRL. Chairman Peter Volandi showed his proficiency at pronouncing names, although the difficult name of Josh tripped him up. Defeat West Tigers 16. <laughs> One vote. Brian To'o. Two votes. Steph- Stefano Utakamanu. Three votes. Viliami Kikau. Sea Eagles 36, defeat Bulldogs 18. One vote. Oshay Olay. <laughs> Two votes. Amoli Alakwatu. I feel like he went, in, he went into pig Latin. Yeah, you can tell. Oshay. Hello, Oshay. Uh, the Penrith Panthers are NRL premiers after defeating South Sydney in a nail-biter. As always, the commentators provided deep insights into the game. Crichton, another one of the... Youngsters from, from Mount Druitt, he and Toto on Sunday, apparently, they went for a, an eyebrow wax. Yeah, Imagine what Tony Rodonicus is saying about that. Ned, Ned Kelly, an eyebrow wax. I love how they're just so out of touch with... I mean, wait till they find what else people are waxing. And it reminded me, I, I once was with someone and they saw a sign on a beauty shop that said, whatever the price, Brazilian wax, and they turned to me and said... Why are we importing wax from Brazil? <laughs> what was that waxing shop? I just... <laughs> it was a great price. Uh, they also seem to be not big fans of a certain rule, but they were very professional about it. It's a stupidity in the rules. It's an absolute stupidity in the rules. It's a stupid anomaly in the rules. Right? Oh, that's a stupid rule. That's a stupid interpretation of it. It's just stupid, isn't it? It's It's absolutely stupid. (laughs) That other guy described it as oopid stay. (laughs) Uh, Jonathan Thurston had an interesting night. First, having trouble with how to hand over an award. Mate, it's been a hell of a year for you. What does it mean to you to receive this award and vote by your peers? Is that an eyebrow trimmer? <laughs> <laughs> sort of so subtle, like, you know. Uh, then he also managed to figure out in real time on air how microphones actually work. Premiership winning co-captain with me, Isaiah Yo. It looks like relief from you, mate.
<laughs> you can just see someone in his ear. Okay, and he's going. He's not used to passing things forward, so it's just, it's just too confusing. That was less awkward though than your interview with Husey last week. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, the Panthers Premiership was topped off with this very romantic moment. Brian Toto from the the Penrith Panthers. He's the winger, and he proposed to his partner on the sidelines. He gave her a hug, uh, even though he had a lot of blood streaming from his face. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to be proposed to while there's blood pouring down their face? In concussion and in health. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Well, 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 so I saw this, Titus. It was a beautiful moment. The proposal sideline, Brian Toto, Aaron Moesha, his new wife to be, and then the boys. Become... It's just <laughs> lovely. <laughs> He said, in a world of grey sludge. <laughs> well, Brian Toa was asked why he proposed on grand final day and he gave this beautiful, romantic response. You know, just really happy that I was, bit, I was able to obviously not only get the win, but um, propose to her and she said yes, obviously. And, um, yeah, so two birds with one stone. <laughs> two birds, one stone. I'm so glad I got that out of the way. Yeah. That's all you want. Nothing more romantic than efficiency. <laughs> uh, many of the parents of the players were also especially proud. So happy for the boys, proud of them. Really can't wait to see Jerome, like just, yeah. Yeah, we're a little bit hungover. <laughs> Fair enough. You would be. Uh, it's also been revealed that the AFL had an embarrassing security breach at their grand final last week. The pair filmed themselves shopping at Big W just hours before the big dance, buying high-vis clothing and coloured wristbands. Their plan... Getting the high-vis on, we're taking the trolleys in and we're walking straight in with confidence like we bloody work there. As easy as that, they're inside Optus. I just love that the way to blend in now is to wear high-vis material. <laughs> it's easy as you just walk in anywhere. Because no-one blends in as, you know, big, tough security guards like two pale white teens. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, mandatory vaccines continue to be an issue in sport. All AFL players, both men and women, will be required to get the vaccines to play. So I expect there'll be a conversation, for instance, with the AFL, where the AFL will be informed on behalf of all their clubs that if you want to go back to pre-season training in a month's time or so, you will need to be double vaxxed. Didn't really sound like a conversation. It sounded more like a conversation with Alan Jones. <laughs> very one way. Well, the mandate only applies to professional athletes, so that means North Melbourne and Collingwood will not be affected by the ban. Uh, I, I Hello to the North Melbourne and Collingwood. <laughs> assume that means you think they're bad? I don't know. I don't get the reference. Well, interestingly, Essendon are already up to booster shots. <laughs> <laughs> They got to 80% double doped, and you've yeah. just got to get that margin. You've got to get there. Uh, Australian basketballer Ben Simmons continues to refuse to show up to pre-season training as he seeks a trade away. It's gone down so well in Philadelphia that even the local weatherman is getting stuck into him. And unlike Ben Simmons, we got to show up today. <laughs> and our, yes, he did. And are glad to work for our employers. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> Wow, what is wrong with that guy? I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I just do. I was at that last game. He doesn't want to play in front of the Philadelphia fans. The Philadelphia fans really treated him great. It, it's true. We gave him Given every the break, every encouragement. Yep. There wasn't booing. Wait till you come to Philly with another team. <laughs> then you'll get to see a Philly welcome. <laughs> 
seen a threat so harsh from a guy in a bow tie. <laughs> That's right, he's got a bow tie on. Why would anyone wear something so stupid on television? <laughs> We're going to take a break. Thanks, Thomas O'Reilly. Thanks, Thomas special guest is standing by. But first... So coming up today, can you still fit into the jeans you wore when you were 21? A big fat no from me. But Janet apparently thinks she can. <laughs> Janet thinks she can. That was a very loaded use of the word apparently. <laughs> well, this is UK chat show Loose Women, Melvin. They cover a wide range of topics from... Yeah, I do fear that the robots are coming to take They're over. Coming. Would you, welcome, would you welcome a robot into your family? They also cover... And is it wrong to want to dress up like your dog? So the big issues... Huge. This is what we're keeping Tony Martin waiting for. Look, speaking of fashion this week, the loose woman checked out the red carpet for the new James Bond. I love Daniel Craig's red, uh, pinky red jacket. Same Fuchsia. colour as my kitchen. Or your hair. Or your whole outfit. Look, that wasn't their favourite look from the Bond premiere. That honour went to Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Look at that. That is a... F she looks fabulous. She really looks fabulous. I love those big shoulders. Big shoulders. <laughs> They're the same colour as my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Bond and with the release of Daniel Craig's last film, No Time to Die, it's time to welcome our very special guest. James Bond fever has absolutely taken over London. The premiere was postponed three times. After more than a year. 18 months not coming out until November in Australia. Having the royals there really makes it a big deal. It's Mr Daniel Craig! But who will be the next 007? Will it be this man, writer, film buff, Bond nerd, Mr Tony Martin? Yeah. Thank you. Not me. Uh, Not you? No. Tony, thanks so much for coming on. Obviously, we know you as the award-winning creator of the Sizzletown podcast. Oh, thank you. Was it, you happy with that? Yes. That's right. <laughs> in the contract. Thank you. What, what people might not know is you're actually a big Bond fan. Yes. Well, I, uh, I guess we all grew up with a different James Bond, but I grew up in the 70s when uh, James Bond was uh, Roger Moore. I don't know if you'd be aware of his work. He was a much posher James Bond, usually wearing a blazer and a pair of tan slacks. I think we've got a clip of him in action here. There he is being menaced by some crocodiles and they're snapping at his flares there and you're probably wondering, how's he going to escape from that? And as long as those crocodiles there line up perfectly like a series of stepping stones, uh, he should be fine. There he goes, bing, bang, boom, and we're off. I like what you said, we've got a shot of him there and it just showed the alligator and everyone laughed, <laughs> going, there's a withered old reptile, is that Roger Moore? <laughs> that certainly is him, yes. What do you love most about the Bond films? Well, the villains are always good and I love the scene where James Bond dispatches the bad guy at the end of the film and in uh, Live and Let Die, which is what that clip was from, he's wrestling with Yafit Koto, he's put a compressed air pellet into his mouth. What? Oh. Look at these incredible special effects. Watch this, look at that! Hang on a second, what? <laughs> turns out, it turns out he'd been fighting a balloon for the last two years. Was, was, that, was that Bond or Blue Origin 1? It's hard to, hard to tell. Um, of yeah. course the Bond films are famous for their action scenes. Have you got a favourite? Well, again, if we can go back to the 1970s. <laughs> you, know, you know this show is a topical near show set in the 2020s? Yeah. Is it really? Well, I'm stuck in 1977 or whenever Moonraker was made, uh, James Bond is pushed out of a plane Whoa. without a parachute. 
So what's he going to do? He's uh, he's flying. There's a bloke with severe orthodontal issues. We won't <laughs> talk about him, but he's got to catch up to the bloke with the parachute and listen to this where the music kicks in. This. Here we go. Oh, there it is. But wow. this bit here brought cheers in the cinema. This one shot. Come, watch this. Whoa. How good's that? No CGI there. <laughs> He's got to catch up to the bloke with the parachute and check this move out here. Wow. Bang. Whoa. He's nose to us. That's right. <laughs> They're now married. <laughs> I think that's Agent uh, 0069. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that was uh, that was the old version of James Bond. We have heard a rumour. Is it true that back in uh, your primary school days, you went to class with a guy called James Bond? That's right. There was a guy at our school who was born in 1967, so his parents clearly knew what they were doing, calling him James Bond. And he was, as we used to say, he was regularly shaken and stirred during, <laughs> during the lunch hour. But I remember, no matter what he did, like people would burst into the theme. Like if he was just walking up a corridor and there was a class waiting to go out, everyone was like, ding, 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 ding. And one year he won a, a prize at the school prize giving and had to walk up to the stage. There was 900 kids going, da, 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 da. It's fantastic. I remember I was working in the stationery department and I had to give him his stationery at the start of the year and I couldn't resist going, this is your pen. Well, it might look like a pen. (laughs) Yes. What what year was he born again? 1967. So he would have got all your references tonight. He loved them. He loved them. Joke about fleared pens. Now, the latest movie, No Time to Die... What are your expectations like? Well, it's I think it's uh, the longest James Bond film, which in my day in the 70s would have been the uh, basis of a sexual innuendo uh, ad campaign, obviously. <laughs> but this is a much more serious Bond, so uh, I don't know. I'm just avoiding all spoilers. And oh, calendars. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> finally, uh, Daniel Craig, he's finishing up as James Bond. Yeah. Got any thoughts on who the next Bond should be? Well, there's a lot of talk that it should be Idris Elba or it should be a woman, and these are great ideas, but I'm afraid my vote goes to Matt Berry. Have we got a picture there? Toast of London. Oh, wow. The boss from the IT crowd. He's in What We Do in the Shadows. That is my choice for, for the next Bond. <laughs> Would you like to see a New Zealand James Bond? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We're outnumbering Tim now. We've got a New Zealand agenda on the show. I was going to say, is this work for the doll? What's going on here? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Sam Neill was uh, turned down James Bond famously back in the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, we've got to take a break. Check out the award-winning Sizzletown podcast wherever you get your podcast. Would you please thank Tony Martin? For us, you can get in touch with us on our socials below. Look, this came in from a fan. These two are truly, I don't know, insufferable. Great. <laughs> Great. Actually, we did receive this comment from a fan, Amy. I was watching Gogglebox and making jam. Gogglebox ended and I couldn't leave the jam to change the channel, so started watching the cheap seats <laughs> for the first time. Dead sea, hilarious, tuning in regularly. Thanks, Melanie and the guy with the big laid-back ears that listens. I know it's Tim. Thanks so much. Stunning stuff. I love our viewers coming from physically not being able to turn the television on. <laughs> we got him. We got him. That's Channel 10 strategy. <laughs> uh, I, did, I did really enjoy this comment we received about you, Tim. 
The guy looks like a guy I work with called Vegetable Arms Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I can't work. Uh, there's so much to unpack. So do I, I look like Chris or do I look like I have vegetable arms? <laughs> and, and also, what are vegetable arms? I googled vegetable arms. Not a thing. It's just some guy that apparently has arms like vegetables. I don't know. Look, if you have feedback for us, hit us up on our socials below. We have been inundated with feedback on the socials about this segment. What's on? What's on in the warehouse? Yes. Where we look at what's on chemist warehouse, what's on in the warehouse. And what's on today is what's on, what's on in the warehouse. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked, Mel. Look, let's enjoy another subtle, nuanced, restrained performance from Brody and Grace. Hey, Grace. Hey, Brody. Wow, you're excited today. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Oh, man, when you've been too full on for what's on in the warehouse, you've got to be... That is too full that on. That is too full on. Still, though, when it comes to surprises, you have to get up pretty early to surprise Marianne. Marianne, have you heard of the Smart Protein? If you're talking about lactoferrin, then yes, Carla. <laughs> Obviously it's lactoferrin. I mean, you're holding it. I'm sure you're talking about lactoferrin. With her vegetable arms. Uh, <laughs> you have lovely arms, Marianne. We're a huge fan. Uh, moving on, and let's take a look at the market. Chicks show that prices pulled back over September from August. National prices increased 1.5% in September in capital cities. Sorry, that is the wrong graphic up there. I'd be more worried about capital cities. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more worried about you saying, can we look at the markets? <laughs> I didn't know how else to segue into that clip. And I was oh, like, Cola. let's check out the Dow Jones. <laughs> well, look, Mel, the world is divided this week on net zero emissions targets. I think the metaphor might have been lost, though, in this discussion. They are taking us to a restaurant where there's a menu with no prices on it. I've been in one of those restaurants where there's no prices on the menu. I was too shy to ask. <laughs> a support group about restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> that would never happen at Domino's Pizzas. Um, because the prices are so low. <laughs> Please stay. Um, <laughs> it's got people talking about fossil fuels and it seems the only coal expert SBS could find was from 1970. Reconsider its ban on Australian coal. If they want to actually get this, the coal prices to come up, yes, they will certainly have to come to Australia. This week! That is crazy! It looks no. like a Tony Martin clip. <laughs> so, though, when it comes to climate change, Mel, look on the bright side. Make no mistake, if this continues, the future we face is grim. And I'm an optimist. OK. <laughs> Sound like one. Well, Mel, to a story about the elderly in New Zealand. How did we not get to this earlier? Where know. a rest home has started a mobility scooter gang, which led to this woman, Grandma, explaining what a chariot is. I call it the chariot. The which, chariot. Yes, which is a, um, a stately, triumphant carriage. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, that's actually one of the Bond girls from one of Tony Martin's movies, so that is... Uh, but no-one explains it better than Alan Jones. But they're nothing more than ego-tripping, arrogant, know-all poseurs. And to the young ones, a poser is a person who pretends to be or who he or she is not. What do you think? Email me. And, and for the young ones, email is a form of communication <laughs> used by old people. That's all we've got time for. We'll see you next week right here on the TV.